Manhattan Bank has been serving the Gallatin Valley since 1905. Started by local farmers in order to help grow the agriculture industry, Manhattan Bank has since grown into a full-service bank serving the entire valley. With branches in Manhattan, Churchill, Three Forks, and Bozeman, you're never far from your local bank. As banks are consolidating and changing, Manhattan Bank sets themselves apart through consistency and a small-town banking feel. Come see why we have been in the valley for well over 100 years. Stop by the new building in Bozeman, see Justin Skillman and Tyler Dosher for your business banking, and Brad Whitmer for your home loans. Go Cats! Member FDIC. Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. All right, welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the RNR Catcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Foley. He's your host, Ryan Thornburg. We are the Ryans of the RNR, the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. And we have a sweet sponsor in Manhattan Bank, taking care of all your banking needs in the Gallatin County. We have four locations Bozeman, Churchill, Manhattan, and Three Forks. We're here again. It's still Cat Grizz Week. We got like a little Cat Grizz checkup. How you doing out there, Bobcat Nation? That's what we want to know. And so we're sitting here with our good buddy, Coulter Nuanis from ESPN. 1029 Missoula and chief editor and producer over at Skyline Sports. Coulter, thanks for being with us, buddy. I like that, dude. I'm going to go start calling myself the chief editor. That's great. <laughs> I, uh, we always just call ourselves the, the co founders. My brother was teasing about that the other day. He's like, co founder makes it seem like we don't do all the shit we do. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know. So, chief editor, that's what I'm going to start calling us. So, that's great. Thanks for having me, man. And, uh, Fun being with you guys, and Foley, you sound like a pro, man. You're doing the live reads like a like real life radio guy. It's pretty impressive. I, I love it. Yeah, he, he's getting it down, man. He's got this down. I do, <laughs> I do the outro. He does the intro. We kind of got our our thing going. For sure, it takes practice, though, right? I mean, I even when I first started doing my radio show on ESPN by myself, uh, man, I was so like not smooth at it at first, and uh, but I mean, you just keep doing it, and you get better, and. Uh, Oh. Also, you got great sponsors like Manhattan Bank. So good job. This is fun to see this podcast grow. You guys are doing awesome. And I couldn't do this one alone. I have to bounce off of somebody. I, I'm, I'm more. I'm so much more reactionary in my in my conversation style. <laughs> There's no way I could drive oh, the whole thing. <laughs> for sure, yeah, definitely. How busy has your week been, Coulter? Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm like two weeks behind already. It's only Wednesday, but uh, it's no, it's really good. I mean, I was thinking about it earlier. Uh, so, so happy and proud of us and how we've grown at Skyline. And now we got multiple guys working for us and uh, a lot to manage, but it's been super fun. And so anybody that's listening, I'll just give a plug right away. We're doing a fun series of stories that we've done for the last couple of years, analyzing some of the top matchups uh, in this upcoming game. And so you can find those at SkylineSportsMT.com. But I just, uh, just posted two new ones. Uh, the two matchups that we uh, analyzed today were the uh, Montana State wide receivers uh, versus the, or excuse me, the Montana wide receivers versus the Montana state secondary. And then uh, Tommy Malott versus the hype basically. Right. Cause Tommy yeah. Malott Ooh. is uh, it's so good. Right. Uh, but he's never started a cat Grizz game. And as we know, 
Uh, the Bobcats, I think their greatest strength as a team is their ability to stay steady and, and kind of navigate the waters. And then, you know, at the end, make the right adjustments. And, you know, they got this, this kid who can just figure out a way to make huge plays down the stretch. And, uh, but can he do that in, in this environment, in this rivalry? I mean, it's hard to doubt him at this point. He's been lights out as the starter there at MSU. But uh, interesting just to, th- to think that uh, for as much success as he's had, he's just now coming up on his first year anniversary as the starting quarterback for the Cats. So um, wow. this will be a whole new experience for him. And, you know, that's uh, that's what Brett Vegan always says. He said he's an incredibly smart kid, and sometimes they just need his experience to catch up with his brain uh, but you just wonder how much of the feeling out process can happen in this game because what do the Grizzlies like to do? Well, they like to punch you right in the face, and they're trying to just roll you right out the gate. So uh, I think that's one of the huge parts of this matchup, but that's our latest matchup story uh, is this Tommy Mallott versus the hype and the, and, uh, the moment that will be this rivalry game debut. Do we just want to just kind of dive right into some uh, questions about some of the matchups or anything else we, we kind of want to hit on? Hold on. I, I want to give props to Coulter because okay. – I watched the Miracle in Missoula for the first time yesterday, and I thought you oh did gosh. a good job on camera, yeah, man. You did, man. Like you were very Thanks, fluid man. in your presentation and the way you t- tell the story, it was pretty captivating to me. So I want to say you, you did a nice job. The, the whole narrative well, of that 2018 game was awesome, but uh, it was well done. Thanks, man. Well, it's funny because I've gotten several texts about that today. Because as people that don't know, it dropped on YouTube uh, earlier this week. But it's funny, I so I was invited to the debut and I was actually going to be on a panel and talk at the the uh, theater in Bozeman when it debuted. And I helped Dawson with it quite a bit, with, especially on the copyright side of things and stuff. And a lot of that press conference footage as well was from um, Skyline, which was cool, gratifying to have that stuff used in a, a historical context. But I got COVID on my birthday five, five days before the debut, so I couldn't go. And then I uh, haven't had a chance to watch it this week. So you guys have seen more than me, but I can't wait for it. I, I was teasing my mom. I was saying that, you know, being on all the radio, writing in the newspaper, whatever, that's all child's play. My whole dream always when I was a kid was to be on a documentary and so cool that it was about Cat football. So uh, thanks for saying that. I can't wait to watch that thing, though. I heard it's really good. Oh, is a oh man, great watch. I think it's good just to paint the rivalry in, in a good light. It's not necessarily all about like, Pro cats and anti gears. I, th- I thought it just did a good job of uh, describing the rivalry and just a moment in time in the rivalry, basically. And I think you you hit on that so well in the way that you uh, you know expressed that opinion. Well, well, cool, man. Well, thanks for saying. I appreciate it. I want to kind of piggyback on that a little bit because it did shed light on how fierce Jeff Choate felt about the game. I thought the key moment in that documentary is. You have a, a camera view of him giving a speech, Cat Griswick, to the players, and the fire that just came from him was just unreal. And so I had a question for you was like, does Montana State need that Jeff Chope mentality in order to win this game? Or can they win it? I'm not going to say like a Rob Ash mentality. I, I guess that would be diametrically opposed to that, at least in my view. But does it need to have a Jeff Chope mentality? I know it helps, but does it do do the cats need it? Yeah, man, it's I think that's gonna be the eternal question until it's not anymore. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, what you said, diametrically opposed. I do think these two teams have diametrically opposed styles, right? It's you know, cats are 
steady as it goes and, uh, you know, won't be beat attitude and all the things that we've been talking and writing about all year. And they just find ways to win. And, you know, some people want to say it's just luck, but it's like, like I was saying on my radio show, I mean, if you win the game at the end of the game four times in six weeks, it's not luck. You, you know what you're doing. And, uh, but can they just have that patience and that steady demeanor all the way to the end? Because Montana's style is just to come out and rip your throat out. That's, I mean, that's what they want to do. When the Grizz start fast, mm-hmm. they seize the momentum and they carry the momentum. They've been unbeatable for the last couple of years. But when they don't and they have to get into a back and forth chess match, they almost never win. Like they, it's been one or the other basically since Bobby Houck returned last year. As we know, what they do, they knock the Cats back on their heels on the second play of the game, and then they just kept on rolling. And uh, you know, I mean, Montana didn't really actually play well on offense at all in the game last year, but they just got out to a good start and they were able to play their style. So you know, that's all to say, I, I think that it's funny because. Last year's game definitely plays a huge factor in this because of the Grizz coming in with a ton of confidence. I could tell that talking to Bobby Houck and all his players all week. They're incredibly confident, for sure. I also think, though, the Cats getting ripped in Missoula last year is an advantage for the Cats. Because I do think the only game in this whole time that Brent Vegan's been the head coach for the Bobcats that he was in over his head was the Cat Grizz game last year. But I promise you, he's not going to be in over his head this year. I mean, he is one of the the best in terms of like the CEO running the organization style head coaches that I've ever seen. And he's so good at quality control and analyzing what they're doing wrong and fixing it. And that's why his teams just get so much better as the team as the year goes on, because he knows how to analyze it so well. He's he's such a, you know, I think his humility allows him to see their weaknesses. So I think that he knows that they were, uh, were overwhelmed last year in Missoula. They're back at home. That's a huge deal. But I also, I just think that them losing last year will have their coaches ready to roll and they won't be overwhelmed this year. So I think it'll actually play into being an advantage uh, for the cast. So, uh, but I mean, to answer your question, we won't know. I mean, let's say the Grizz whipped the cats like they did last year, a couple of times in a row. And, and that's just, it's the Bobby Houck style of doing it. Well, then that's, that narrative is going to spring up for sure. But on the other hand, if, sure. uh, if Vegan comes out firing brimstone and, and has a rolling, or they win in the way that he has become accustomed to winning, and I mean they've won a ton of games already under Brett Vegan. How crazy is this? Jeff Choate won 29 games at Montana State. Brett Vegan's already won 22. So I mean he's been winning at such an unbelievably high level already. Uh, but I, I don't know if we'll know the answer to that question until we know the answer to that question. I think it could be either or. Mm. I think it's such a different approach to this team. This, this The identity of this team is so different than it was in last year, too, especially before the playoffs, before Tommy Lott took c- c- uh, control of the team. So I think even like the stylistic approach to last year, which was the Cats get a lead and then just hold on for dear life and let the defense win the game, it's complete opposite this year. Like The offense is winning the games, and the defense is the one that's kind of holding on. So it's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out in terms of both like what they learned from last year, but also how different the Bobcat team operates this year. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, that's what I mean about vegan being so good at being able to, to shift, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're right. Last year it was get a lead and then just hand the ball to 22 over and over and over again. See if it, how far is in Fonse could bleed out the clock and let the defense roll. And, uh, now they're just spreading all over the place, running for a million yards and just gashing people. So, you know, I think it is, it shows exactly how vegan can pivot and analyze. 
So when you were initially talking about Tommy versus the hype in, in the beginning of this episode here, um, it had a question that came into my mind, and I wanted to ask you that uh, before Ryan, you know, started talking about some other things. I, does, does I'm not saying I'm just saying before you went on something else, I'm not <laughs> knocking you. But yeah. do, does Montana State need Sean Chambers to win this football game? Ooh, it's a good question. So I think one of the most underrated stories here is that Bobby Houck on the record and at quarterback club, and this is from sources in the quarterback club. I obviously can't go to quarterback club, although I, I always thought how funny it would be if I showed up or if I actually <laughs> just paid the dues and went to either Montana or Montana State. So there's, you know, like if I just paid a thousand bucks, well. like why? Yeah, right. Like why can't I just go? Right. I mean, I not to say that I just have two thousand dollars to go spend on quarterback club, but regardless. Um, uh, but 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 Houck has said in public settings multiple times that he expects Chambers to play and that he thinks that's going to be a you know, a challenge for uh, the Grizz. Or excuse me, he said it multiple huh. times that he thinks he's not going to play. Excuse me. Okay. Hauk has said he thinks that Chambers is likely not going to play. Vegan has said he thinks he's going to play. Interesting. Vegan said in his press conference that Chambers was cleared last week and that they just didn't want to put him out there because they knew they had an overmatched opponent, which, by the way, how bad is Cal Poly? I mean, I can't even believe it, watching them two weeks in a row. The only- that game was like a... It was like a surreal experience. Like the Cats played their their the last guys they could play at running back, and they still set a school record for rushing yards. It's crazy. The only team worse than Cal Poly <laughs> I saw was the Cal Poly team that played in the spring of COVID season, which they were even worse. <laughs> Unreal, man. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. Bull Baldwin's got to figure that out, but that's not working. But it, no, anyways, though, it is interesting that, that uh, Egan says he's going to play and Hauk says he's going to not. But I do think if he can play, that's a, uh, an interesting new weapon for the Cats. I mean, we haven't seen the full complement of Tommy Malott and Sean Chambers in. I don't know if we've even seen it this season play out. I think they've been we're building up to it and then both guys just got hurt. So I don't think we've really seen them compete together in the way that maybe Taylor Housewright has envisioned um, to this point in the season. So it'll be interesting to see if that actually plays out on Saturday or not. It's weird to me, though, Thorny, that Sean Chambers is best when he is in a groove. Best throwing and we talked ball. about that on Monday. Like, yeah, UC Davis was his best game. And I, I still argue that UC Davis was probably Montana State's most complete game. But that came on the heels of him having to take over at Eastern Washington. I don't know if we played Mon- or if we, if we played Chambers in spot duty during this game. It depends. Like, you know, the Grizzlies have the momentum. How is the Chambers going to react to that? If Montana State's rolling and we're gashing them on the outside zone, maybe Chambers is like just, you know, an elixir to all of it. It's hard to say. Coulter, how many, if you had to put a number on it, how many rushing yards do the Bobcats need to win or to be competitive in this game? Man, well, so here's the other thing is, you know, Jay Hill was actually the one that pointed this out to me. Weber State's head coach. It's kind of like an aha moment. And he was like, hey, he's like, you know, what Montana State really, in its essence, does is very simple. He said, Coach Vegan's entire formula is based around rushing the ball for more yards than the opponent and turning the ball over less. And he's like, if you go through their stats, I bet you that they have lost very few, if zero times, when they have won the rushing battle and turned the ball over less. Both of those factors. And I went through it. That's exactly right. Like, the cats, I think they, I think they're like eighteen and zero when they uh, rush the ball more and turn the ball over less, and uh, then I think they're two and four when they uh, when they don't. So, um, and even this year, they they outrushed Oregon State, but they turned the ball over, and that was it. So, 
I think the answer to that is for more yards than Montana. Certainly, I think that's part of it. I think it's going to be so interesting, though. I think that well, the other part of the the other one of the most undertold stories on the grid side is that uh, people are just kind of assuming that Patrick O'Connell is going to play, but like that high ankle sprain is, uh, you know, I mean, he's been out for two games and he's a tough sob. So if he's out, he's hurting for sure. And uh, his ability to set the edge—that's going to be such a huge factor. The Grizz have so much depth and they have so many good players on their defense, but I think they only have two great players on their defense, and that's Justin Ford and Patrick O'Connell. Marcus Weldell can be great, um, but O'Connell is also very much superior to their other edge guys. They have a million inside linebackers. I mean, they seriously play six inside linebackers, but as far as outside guys, uh, the drop-off after O'Connell is huge. So if he is... Uh, if he does play, he won't be 100%, and that could be a factor. And if he doesn't play, that's huge. That's a bad loss. It's a, a big loss for the Grizzlies. So uh, I don't know, though. I mean, I think the Cats, with the how much they run the ball, how often they run the ball, and the yards per clip that they get running the ball, I mean, you know, if they were held to 200 yards, that would still be, you know, that would be a third less of what they're averaging right now, which would be actually a pretty significant defensive effort given what everybody else has been able to do against them. But, you know, last year they rushed for, like, 70 yards so um i mean i think at least 150 but i probably more like even 200 is probably the magic number just given how often they're going to need to run the ball yeah i was thinking like 225 in my head i don't know where i came up with that number but (laughs) i feel like less than 200 is going to be a problem for the bobcats and fascinating i mean fascinating how fascinating how good their offense has been that 225 seems like a low number for them it is but also, oh, but also the Grizz defense, the Grizz run defense has been so good that that seems like an absurd number to get. I mean, yep. Weaver ran for 180 against the Grizz, and it, it was like it was bizarre to watch because I've watched this Grizz team live so often the last couple of years as well, and that's the one thing that they've consistently just been so good at is stopping the run. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna be. I mean, I, that's one of the matchups in the game for sure. Is just uh, best run defense in the conference, best rush offense in the country. A thought about Afonse. Afonse's suited up, suited up this game. He he's he's planning on suiting up. Do you think without Afonse, do you think that's been kind of a silver lining for MSU's production in, in the run game? Yeah, it's such a good question. I actually I, I can't remember if it was on the radio show or my podcast. I recorded so much stuff this week already; it all blurs together. But anyways, uh, we were talking about exactly that. I think it was with my brother on the Big Sky Breakdown podcast. I think, we, again, when it comes to that organizational, that organizer, CEO, boss man role, Deegan is so good at, at just sort of analyzing the, the big picture and, and making the right decisions. And one of the biggest decisions he made last year was don't screw it up. Like you, you got like nine guys who are uh, among, if not the best players in the conference or the country at their position. So like just play those guys, let those guys produce as much as you can. And, you know, so that's what they were doing with the Ponce is just give him the ball and get out of the way. And, uh, you know, they had such a good offensive line in front of him as well. But I do think their run game has become so much more creative. I mean, I'll tell you this, man. I was teasing Montana State Sports Info. Uh, they were they did such a good job of hooking me up with interviews with the coordinators. I had a, a podcast each week with one of the three coordinators for uh, the Cats. But really enjoyed my time with Taylor House, right? And I was teasing – MSU Sports Info is telling them, man, it's pretty crazy. I'm only going to get to talk to that guy like five more times in my whole life <laughs> because I just think he's grown so much. He's so talented and he's so creative. And he's also so young. 
and just has such a good uh, demeanor for like relating to new age kids. He's just going to be a star. And I just, I just, you know, maybe he'll, maybe he sticks around a couple of years in, in Bozeman, but he's going to be big time sooner than later for sure. And, uh, you know, I do think that Alfonso not being there has made it so that they've had to be more creative, but they have been more creative and it's made their run game way, way, way more dynamic. So Coulter, we're doing a bit of a collaboration here, but we've been asking all the questions. Maybe, uh, <laughs> I feel like I, you, I'm sure you have some questions for us. For sure. No, no doubt. Um, this has been fun. Thanks for having me. And, uh, oh, sure thanks. Thank you for coming on sports. Of course, man. Check out scottsportsmt.com and keep listening to these guys for sure. Uh, I want to know your guys' perception of coach vegan. Cause I think amongst the fan base, there was a lot of apprehension when he first came in just because he was so different than coach Choate. And I also think that this game for better or worse is going to continue to color that, right? Like there's going to be a certain sector of Bobcat fans that, if the cats get their butts kicked again and it's deja vu from last year and you're a nine-win team going into it and you're a nine-win team coming out of it and it costs you a league title for the second year in a row, there's been a lot of people in the fan base that are saying, all right, well, vegan's been great, but also we got to figure out a way to beat the Grizz. Uh, but otherwise, though, he's been so steady and impressive in last year's national championship run, bought him a lot of leeway, I think, across the board with most rational fans. So, But what do you guys think of vegan now uh, here as we wind down year two? Foley's pointing to me. He wants me to take that. First of all, I think the Cats are going to share the championship no matter what, because UC Davis is going to beat St- Sac State next week. Book that. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm surprised Ryan wanted me to take this because I think he's much more opinionate, opinionated on this than me. I think uh, I'm pretty much fully on the vegan train right now. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to see what comes on Saturday. But even if we end up losing that game, just what he's done this season with like so much so many injuries and so many um, talented players leaving the program graduation. I, I just, I'm fully on board with what he's doing. And I, I believe that he can win a lot of football games at MSU. It might take him a little bit of time to get over that hump in the cat Grizz game. I hope not, but you know, I'm, I'm the Bobcat fan who I was stoked how last year played out losing to the Grizz, make it to the national championship. Like I'll take that every year. Like I, it sucks, but uh, it's it's a bigger fish, in my opinion. National championship. I want to win the national championship. Obviously, that didn't go well uh, last year in Frisco, but that's kind of how I'm envisioning Vegan right now. I, I'm 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 bought in. I like I'm liking what he's doing, and uh, I think he makes good hires. Young young good coaches like House Right. I was definitely a little concerned when we hired him initially, but this year I'm like, and like you said, House Right's he's a rising star in this profession. So I think he has a how good much, eye for talent. How much is- how much has the perception of him changed in the fan base? Because I think that people were ready to just like burn him at the stake after the Cat Grizz game last year, but then they were just like unbelievable on offense in the in the playoffs, yeah. and uh, then boom, they've been lights out. You know, like seriously, best in the country on offense this year as well. It's crazy how much a year can change. I mean, that's what I mean. He's grown so much. He has. I mean, he's a first year, first time head coach. Like that was his first year and he went to the national championship. And like you said, he didn't screw it up. That was his game plan. Now we're seeing more of, I think what Brent vegan as a head coach is capable of, or what, how he kind of runs things. And I'm a fan. So like when I spoke to coach vegan, two media days in consecutive order, he felt a lot more comfortable uh, this year than he did in the first year. I don't know if you got that True. sense, Coulter, but when I sat, sat down Definitely. across from him, his shoulders were at ease a little bit more. There was a smile on his face. 
and I asked him about this game. I was like, so did you learn anything about the cat grids? And he said, yeah, I did. And I was like, well, are you going to do anything different? <laughs> and he looked at me, he goes, hey, he never gives you too much. And he goes, yeah, we got something, you know, a little bit different planned for this week. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And so I was talking to Jimmy Beal about that. And Jimmy Beal was like, gosh, I wonder what he's got planned. I'm interested in that now. Um, but I think last year's butt whipping got his attention for sure. I don't know. I, I don't think I'm as sold as like Thorny is about Coach Vegan. I love that we went to the national championship last year. And I, one could argue like those were Choach guys. And, and I like your narrative. And I agree with your narrative on like he did a great job of not screwing it up. He let the guys be the guys. And, and he kept it all about the players, just like Jeff Choate had made that program. But what I'm kind of like still unsure is I don't get a picture behind the curtains. I don't see him in front of the players. And I haven't talked to the players outside of a podcast or an interview where they've allowed me information and say, yeah, he's galvanized the team. The players want to believe in him. We're ready to go to battle for him. Until I hear that, I still have like some questions because you can still be quiet and command a big stick. And if that's vegan, which I think he is, but that was his bravado. You just knew he had that. And I love that about him. That's something that appeals to me as just a man. I don't know. Does vegan do that? I'm not sure. So I still have some reservations when it comes to coach. Question for both of you. Is vegan a victim of coming after a guy like Jeff Choate? Or would he be automatically the hero if he came right after Rob Ash? Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> well, the, first of all, I think the Bobcat fan base has been spoiled in terms of the personalities of their head coaches. Uh, Rob Ash aside, Rob Ash was like, you know, straight as an arrow. <laughs> like, so un- we're going to have to look at the know. film. Rob Ash. Exactly, exactly. Hat on a hat, solid, you know. <laughs> 11 on 11, you know, like, God. Uh, yeah. uh, but God damn, that guy knew a lot about football. He taught me a ton about football. I was actually, so, I was thinking about that the other day. I felt uh, very thankful to have him as the first coach that I covered on, like, a quote-unquote big-time newspaper beat because he was very cordial and he explained things very well, and he would bring me into his office all the time, and like, he would get on the board and draw stuff up, and he was just a great teacher. He was just sort of in over his head when it came to the uh, the magnitude of certain things that it took to to be elite, sustained elite at Montana State. But no, but camp has been spoiled, man. I mean, for real, as somebody that's now worked in sports journalism for 16 years and, and somebody that's studied the history of coaches in the Big Sky Conference, Jeff Choate and Mike Kramer are two of the most dynamic, amazing, unique personalities ever. Like for any player or coach or anything, man, it's, it's, it's so interesting. So I do think that colors the opinions that people have. Um, but yeah, I mean, imagine if if uh, Brett Vegan came when Rob Ash came, but then went 21-4 and four right out the gates went to the national championship game. Like people would be wanting to build a statue of him. So, you know, it, I, I do think that, and again, that's why it all goes back to this game. Because Vegan has been yeah. unbeatable in the FCS except against NDSU and Montana. That's it. He is undefeated against the FCS besides that. that you, can't, you, I mean, you can't knock that no matter how small the sample size is. So, you know, I mean, I've covered the Cats intensively for 12 years. I've never seen them win in Flagstaff. I've never been to a game when the Cats won in Flagstaff until this year. Never, I've never seen the Cats. I've only seen the Cats win in Ogden once. And it took a superhuman Daenerys McGee effort. So, you know, at least we forget that uh, no matter how good the cats have been, they've had 
pro- problems winning at the tougher places to play in the league on the road, and Deegan's done it. So, though, I mean, Choate has an elevated reputation amongst five PI people because he beat the Grizz four years ago. That's why this game colors it so much because, again, if they lose this year, people can start questioning, even though, like I said, he hasn't lost to any FCS teams except Montana in the regular season. It would be almost like if you could take the best of Jeff Choate and the best of Bryn Vegan and then just marriage that together, Bobcat fans would just be like in heaven. But here's a hot take okay. for you. If Jeff Choate would have been the coach of the Cats last year, they would have beat the shit out of the Grizz and there's no way they would have went to the national championship. Exactly. That's yeah. right. That's, right. that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm on the vegan train at the moment (laughs) to be honest too like going to the national championship is opened my eyes to these this cat team this coaching staff in a different way like to me i I know this this week is all about the cat grizz but the pressure feels not as uh, the magnitude of it is is not as big for me personally because i know we have like the the playoffs ahead of us and i don't know we could the cats could get whipped on the first the first game we could lose out seriously but you know, a semifinal, I think at, at this point for both the, the Grizzlies and the Bobcats, a semifinal, if, if you're not making the semifinal, then what are we doing right now in the FCS? So I, that's where my, my eyes, my feelings tend to go. Totally. There's also a chance too here, though, like that's the other thing is that if the Grizz win on Saturday, people are going to say it's because Brett Vegan isn't fiery enough or he's not Jeff Choate or he doesn't know how to you know, get guys up for the rivalry. But what if just X's yeah. and O's wise, it's the worst matchup in the league for the Grizz or for the Cats? I mean, because it is. I mean, the Grizz are the worst matchup in the country for the Cats because the Grizz are the fastest defense in the conference. And the thing that the Cats do in the run game is they stretch you horizontally. That's why they can get away with this undersized offensive line because they're so athletic. They beat you to the perimeter. They seal you off. The running backs are so good at cutting all that stuff. Tommy Watt's so good at seeing it. But the Grizz are going to beat you to the spot. And so, you know. They're still going to be able to get some room, getting a backside and gaps and stuff like that. But uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is that I hope people understand that there's a matchup element to this as well as the intensity of the rivalry. Oh, for sure. There's definitely a lot more X's and O's than there is just the fact that it's the Brawl of the Wild. I mean, football is all about matchups. We know that. Um, Coulter, uh, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you mentioned you wanted to be about 20 minutes on this bad boy. We're pushing 30 already is there anything else you want to ask us before we get out or anything like that well, well i mean i guess i'll just get out of here on this then uh what are you what's your guys take on this game i mean what's kind of your feeling about the grizz and what do you think of just this matchup on saturday just like every year i some days i feel like we're gonna win some days like there's no way we're gonna win you get, it depends on when you ask me coulter i'm <laughs> feeling right now I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling pretty i'm feeling pretty confident like in a in a about the Bobcast chances in this one. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any stretch, but I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm, I, uh, what we've talked about, Brent Vegan learning a lot, a lot more weapons, a lot more non, non-reliance on workhorses. And just the fact that the Grizz won't have the Washington Grizz crowd fueling their momentum based system, I think are things that are making me feel okay about the Bobcast chances in this one. I feel like this week is a crescendo every year. It looms in my mind every year. It gives me all the feels from good and bad. And like you, Ryan, I feel 
wishy-washy from day to day. I feel better going into this Cat Grizz than I did last year. I really like our offense a lot better. I think we are more dynamic. Uh, we're just not taking Matt McKay and running Fonse up in some gap scheme uh, that was into the teeth of the Grizzlies. And I think Coulter is right. I think what Montana does really good is matches up really well with what Montana State does really well. So I don't know. To me, this feels like a coin flip. One thing I don't want to see is just like a a blow a blowout either way. I mean, if the Cats win, that would be good for us, right? I mean, as a cat fan, <laughs> a, a cat fan podcast, that's like what we would love, like 2019 incarnate, like that would I would love that, but I don't foresee that happening. Mm, I don't know. Like I get really kind of nervous about the, these type of games. It's a good okay. non-answer. For yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating. Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see a blowout. Um, just, <laughs> I think that we're not going to see a blowout for two reasons. I think the Grizz defense is so good, and they also will sacrifice certain other elements of the game to just like make. Like James Madison was way better than them, and they were destroying Montana last year. And the, the Grizz were able to to shorten the game and play good enough defense and special teams to w- lose twenty eight six. You know, I mean, they still got their asses kicked, but like you know when it was 21 nothing in the first half you're thinking so they're thinking oh my god they're gonna they're gonna get beat by 40 but they can mitigate it but then the other thing is it's not gonna be a blowout on the other side either because the grizz offense isn't any good so you know they have some serious issues they have great talent and they have serious issues getting those guys the ball and now i think they're coming in with a rational confidence because they just beat the worst two teams i've ever seen and put up 120 points in those games so uh but because of that, though, I just I think it's it's catered to be a good game. Is you know the cat offense will certainly test the Grizz defense, and uh, you know the cat defense has been up and down for sure. But the Grizz offense isn't really that good. So you know I, I just don't I think there is a four. I think the 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 spread opening up cats two and a half point favorites. I think that's exactly right. You get two and a half points for Bobcat Stadium on a, a Saturday in November. And other than that, I think it's a coin flip even matchup. So I think you guys are spot on. All right, Colter. Well, I guess we'll let you go, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing some insight and uh, having a fun conversation about the best and worst week of the year. Love it. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Colter. All right. Well, that was Colter Nuanez of ESPN Missoula and Skyline Sports MT. Really appreciate him coming on and doing a little collaboration with us for Cat Grizz Week, bringing some good content out there for Bobcat fans across this great nation. Foley, what do you think of that conversation? It was awesome. I love Coulter's insight. He has such good, he has a good pulse on both sides of the ball or both sides of the rivalry as I should say. And, and uh, both sides of the ball. And both he, sides of the rivalry. He's so good at what he does. Like, his radio show is so good. His podcast, his uh, information, his conversation skills, he's he's the man. So, appreciate his time. Yeah, when he's on the radio, he doesn't, like, say approximations of words. Like, I do half the time listen back to me. I'm like, I didn't say that word right. <laughs> I listen back, like, didn't quite get that word right. Not like I chose the yeah. wrong word. Like, I didn't say the word correctly. I guess <laughs> so I appreciate anyone who has talent to make it through a live broadcast and not make up words basically. So kudos to well, and another 
another way too is like when we get him on the podcast, he has a little bit more freedom to just be who he is rather than maybe a more professional broadcaster on ESPN. So I feel like we get a little more candid response from from Coulter than we might hear on ESPN one oh two nine. Coulter unplugged. <laughs> There's a reference right for uh, all the MTV generation people like us. All right. Is there anything you want to like kind of continue on the discussion from that um, segment with Coulter? Anything you want to rebuttal? Uh, you know, I think uh, I'm think I'm good to go right now. So let's just continue like to check in and let's talk about a couple other topics. I feel like we've done a pretty good job on our first episode that went for an hour and a half of kind of talking football and matchups. I don't think I've had any epiphanies or revelations since then. And I'll give you an opportunity if you want to, to talk any football here, but I think we kind of want to talk to some overarching kind of cat grizz narratives that aren't necessarily on the field. How's that sound? Yeah. So I do have one more kind of narrative I want to talk about. And so it goes about their strength and our strength. So our strength is running the ball. Their strength is stopping the run. Do the do the Grizz make us one dimensional if they stop the run? And it like so the we Grizzlies are, are like we're <laughs> yeah. So to attack the Grizzlies, where do where do teams t- attack the Grizzlies? You I know mean, the answer. Giving it up to you. Yeah, the answer that I've heard people talk about, and I haven't watched a lot of Grizz. F- Football, but it's like up the seams, right? That's everyone talks about yep. the seams are the the weak spot of that defense. Where does Montana State not pass the ball? We've done it a few times, but no, the seams, no, we don't uh, typically yeah. go there. We don't. Attack we have it in our field. arsenal, though. I'm positive of this. So I I imagine their middle linebackers, Robbie Houck and, and company, playing close to the line of scrimmage because they know we like to run the ball. If we could attack the middle of the field and the seams, I feel like that would benefit us. But we haven't practiced that. We haven't shown it. The most we've seen from it would probably be Sean Chambers passing plays, UC Davis, Eastern Washington. And when he's getting on his groove, Tommy Malash's strength is not the middle of the field. I'm just kind of worried a little bit. I think if you ask me fully, do you have a concern going into this game? That is a concern of mine. If the Grizz take away a run game, which I don't think they will do fully, can we attack them in the passing game? I'm not sure. Good question. What do you think about that little, uh, that patented Taylor Housewright pop pass where it looks like a QB draw and the quarterback kind of sneaks forward and reads the middle linebacker. And then if he bites on it, he just yeah. pops it out to to the running back or to a tight end, I think has also been involved in this. So I think that's something that could be effective, right? <laughs> You, you got to get you got to get those in a row. you got to get the Grizz defenders <laughs> thinking about where they're going to go cuz their their exactly. absolute key to their success is playing fast, getting to their spot like Coulter said, beating you to that spot. If you make them just hesitate for one second on where they're going to go, that's where you can have them. And I think that's a great play yeah. to do and I think I just think Tommy Lott's scrambling ability in this game is going to be something that is also a beneficial in the passing game. He's not going to probably sit in the, p- the pocket and throw dimes everywhere, but he's going to step into pressure and escape it and keep plays alive. And I think Tommy, what we saw, I mean, Tommy Lott's, what he did last year in Kakar is, is completely irrelevant. 
He wasn't the starting quarterback. He wasn't even throwing the ball at that point. He was a wildcat quarterback. He was Travis Johnson. This year, I think he's a whole different ball game. And I think having a mobile quarterback with his escapability is going to be something I don't think the Grizz have really seen. Where's Cleveland Thomas going to make a play in this game? Could it be over the middle? Could Willie P go, go over the middle? Could Taco Dollar catch something over the middle? That's what I'm talking about. I want to see those guys in space, and that's where the space is going to be on Saturday. I feel like all of our passes over the middle are to the tight ends. Yeah, and that's not bad. I mean, that's Derek fine. Snell is an absolute animal. Chain Pickering, animal, dog, right? As the, as the scene goes. So that that's just a concern. I, I like I would like to see that. I would like to see us take the next step in that. And it wouldn't take but two to three passes to get them thinking, right? Thorny, we're not talking about like every down, every no. play. We just need a couple of completions to say, hey, we got that if we want to go back to it. And I think it has to happen early to set that tone. Do you think Coulter said that the Grizz sound real confident in this matchup? Do you think part of that confidence is the fact that the last two games, all the Bobcats have done is trying to throw fades back shoulder passes down the sideline and haven't completed like no. any of them? <laughs> no, I think I think that confidence comes because I think Coach Bobby Houck was talking like uh, smack to Brent Vegan in his compliments, like veiled smack to, in his compliments to the cats in Vegan. Hey, we we think the cats are going to be good. Coach Vegan's awesome. I, that's Bobby Houck saying, yeah, he's good. He's awesome because we think we can beat him. He he was gonna he wasn't gonna say stuff like that about Jeff Choate. <laughs> Now, I'm not saying I want Jeff Choate. Don't get me wrong on this. Like, I, I just watched the Miracle Missoula, so I might be a little bit influenced on all that hype. But I think Bobby Houck is very calculated in the way he talks. He's, okay. He is who he is, and I think he was just giving us a little bit of a smack talk right there. Is there a, is there a f- worst first assignment for a young aspiring journalist reporter than having to interview Bobby Houck? Gosh. You ask him the wrong question and he bites your head off. Yeah. So confident. I wish they would have some balls just to come back at him and and say, why you got to be a dick? (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Anyway. uh, Okay. So I I have a question here. Um, You've said it. Coulter said it. How maybe it's just not a good matchup for the Bobcats. Maybe the Grizz defense is just basically built to stop teams like the Bobcats. Explain 2019 to me then. Yeah, I I don't know. I've been thinking about that today. I actually wanted to ask Coulter about that. Did we, I think we were running a different zone, or a different. We uh, were. I, I don't know. <laughs> I have but no we were clue. still like that, run that based doing... though, like even potentially exactly. the same as now. So, can we put stuff in the run element that can exploit the Grizz defense like we did in 2019? Like, why is it su- why is it such a bad matchup that worked in one year and then failed so miserably in the next year? Granted, exactly. those were two different because... teams and two different quarterbacks, and everything was different, but. Why can't we implement some of those things that, I mean, the Grizz are running the same exact defense then. They had very talented players and their defensive line wasn't as good in 2019, but they had Dante Olsen. I mean, they were still yeah. lots of talent all over that field. It's a great question. It's something I thought about today. I don't have the answer, man. Yeah. I'm not saying we can replicate the success. I'm just saying, like, why does it automatically have to be this terrible matchup when we have dominated this matchup once before? I don't know. Yeah. A lot of that was misdirection and a lot of that was uh, creativity in the run game. And we don't do so much misdirection, I think, this year yet. <laughs> we'll see. It's going to be a very interesting matchup on Saturday. And now I'm getting excited for it. 
now I'm feeling good about the Bobcats, but you ask me tomorrow morning and I'll be like, oh no, we're going to get crushed. I'm, I'm a roller coaster <laughs> this week, man. I'm a roller coaster this week. Let's talk about game day real quick. I got a question for you, buddy. Yeah. No, let's hold off on game day. Do you want to talk about game day right now? Uh, sure. So, uh, no, let's, let's do something else. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> I know we're going to talk about it, but we later. are. All right. So why don't we talk about uh, if, if you're assuming you're done talking about football stuff here? Uh, I'm never not done talking about football stuff. I can sprinkle it in any time I true. want. That's true. I'm not saying we have to be. Done. I'm <laughs> just saying we'll move on to a different subject, and if we come back to it, whatever. Let's talk right. a little bit about uh, the documentary that came out, man. The Miracle of Missoula. I think man. we both have watched it at this point. What do you think of it? Unreal. I said on Bobcat Nation, I felt like I was blessed after watching it. It touched me. Like, it really did. I, I know that sounds corny, Ryan, but I, w- I went back and we watched Jeff Choate's speech probably three times before ending the first run-through, and I paused it, and my wife, I had her watch it. I was like, watch this. It's just important right now. And it just gave me goosebumps. I know some guys said they were crying. Uh, I don't think I was. I, I did not shed a tear. Uh, it was really cool. It was amazing, actually. I'd never really seen or heard those kind of like prophetic takes from Jeff Choate. It's like, we're never going to lose to the Grizz. You have a chance to never lose. Like all these kinds of things he said. Like we've, you know, we heard a little bit of that in the media, but really unveiling the curtain about how much emphasis he put on that game was kind of a little bit eye opening to me. And obviously, you know, we don't need to get into Jeff Choate's philosophy too much, but maybe that's why he didn't win against Weber State, those kinds of teams. But man, did he put some importance on that? And he he knew that everything went through that game. You win that game, the rest take care of rest will take care of itself. And you know, he never lost to the Grizz and he went out on top. And <laughs> and just besides the Jeff Choate angle of that, I just thought it was a fantastic look into the rivalry at a certain snapshot in time. I thought it did a really good job of like not being like anti-Grizz necessarily, but just like these people are a part of the story and this is what happened in this time and this this team was special and it culminated in this amazing play that will be remembered by Bobcat fans and Grizz fans, whether you like it or not, for the rest of the rivalry. Because I mean, it's the same situation as every year on Twitter, every year Grizz fans are talking about how amazing that 1997 game was with the whole... I don't remember exactly the, the specifics of that game because I didn't watch it live. But the point is, like, there's a, you know, it's it's one of those plays that would be immortalized forever, whether or not there was a documentary made. And that's what was so cool about the documentary. It was just kind of more than just that singular focus. <laughs> I love your answer. Mine was like, oh, it was so good. It was awesome. And then you just gave all that. <laughs> Great job, man. <laughs> I don't usually do good at that kind of stuff. I feel pretty good about my... Uh, <laughs> My articulation on there. I'm in, I'm in a I'm in a good mood right now. The beers are flowing. We didn't do our beer segment here, but I got a couple in me. I drank one while we were talking to Coulter. He didn't know that. I didn't say that. I was drinking one. Feeling pretty good. Yeah, man. It was man. I mean, we were the tar- target demographic for that documentary, ultimately, and I loved it. It was very well done. Dawson has Dawson. I had it down. Is it? Uh, help me with his last name. Arnstorf, <laughs> Arnstorf, right? 
I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to pronounce it. Man, this is terrible. We give the, we talk about how awesome this is, and and then you know butcher his name. But he did a great job. The footage he had, the interviews he conducted, the quality of the 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 video was fantastic. I can see why like he made this capstone senior project or whatever, and then submitted it to, to film festivals because it's it's that good. Yeah, it made me want to get a behind the scenes peek to this team though. Yeah. That's what I want that footage, man. You know, last year's footage. I want to see the locker room. I want to see Coach Vegan talking to his players. It just made me want more. Yeah, I, I could, I could see that too. But uh, maybe, maybe we'll get that. Maybe we won't. I don't think there's anyone quite on the Montana State um, uh, payroll who's doing kind of what Dawson was doing. Yeah. It was clear that he was going to move on to bigger and better things. Yeah. And now he's at Louis LSU, Louisiana state. Right. So he's doing his thing. Good for him, man. Yep. All right. A must watch for Bobcat fans everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. So you want to talk about some game day, college game day yeah. coming to Bozeman. What's on your mind? Got a question for you. Lee Corso. He does the whole head thing with the mascot. He puts on Monty's head. It's gonna go bad. It's gonna go him. bad. Oh, honestly, I don't. It's not um, gonna go bad for us necessarily. But have you thought about Lee Corso and picking either Champ or Monty to put on? I don't think Lee Corso is gonna be there. He's missed a couple games what? from health concerns, and oh. I don't think he's gonna go to Bozeman, Montana, when it's gonna be like five degrees in the morning. I think that kind of general consensus is he's not going to be there. I don't think I've heard that officially one way or the other, but I don't. So he hasn't been there in a couple of times. I don't watch. I don't honestly don't watch game day. So, I mean, I've, I've watched it here and there a little bit over the years, but I don't like religiously watch the program through and through. I know, I know they pick. I know if someone puts on the, hel- the head, who's been doing it since Lee, Car- Lee Corso has been out. I don't know who's been doing I, it. I couldn't tell you. But, I've been going to all the, my son's basketball games in the mornings. So. <laughs> the question remains, whoever's doing it, putting on that Monty head is is going to be a bad a bad time for them but uh <laughs> I don't I don't know how it's going to go that's, that's a good question I haven't, I haven't really thought about that <laughs> yeah and there's lots of snow out there they get they could be pelted with snow I hope Bobcat fans behave themselves but you know we'll see what happens I also think there's there's going to be plenty of Grizz fans in that throng of people behind the 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 broadcast little station there so I don't know He's, it, they'll be booed heavily but uh, I don't think anything too crazy is going to happen because of it. I hope he, I hope he puts on champ's head and make me pretty cool, uh, pretty proud to be a Bobcat fan and pretty cool to see. Yeah, right. The, this day has the the makings of a story, t- a story, uh, a fairy tale. Is that the word I'm looking for, Thorny? Yeah. Oh, we screwed this one up. That's fine. Is it a fairy tale? That's fine. I'm okay, okay. with that one. All right. I mean, even if, even if the even if they pick the Grizz, I'm like, how much football, how much Montana, Montana State stuff do these guys know? I'm sure they do their research. That's the thing. I'm sure they do. Like, they're they're professional outfit. They're not coming in there just winging it. But they don't really know anything. Right? No. You can't, you can't learn enough to pick this game properly in, like, a few days worth of research on your bus trip across the country. But so whatever happens, I hope they make the right choice and pick the Bobcat head 
because that will make the crowd the happiest. It'll make me the happiest. But ultimately, the game is not even aired by them, so it doesn't really matter in the end. Because they will cut to cut to LSU and Auburn or whatever's playing. I have no idea. Good point. Is game day going to be a, a distraction for this football team? I don't think so. I, don't I think, think so. it's something to, just to add to the pageantry. I don't think it's needed, to be honest. I think the, the story tells itself. My wife and I were talking on the couch today before I came downstairs to record this podcast. I was talking to her about the Apple Cup. And I was like, why isn't the Apple Cup as big as Cat Grizz? And my wife said, she's like, well, because people in Washington have more things to do than just pay attention to the Apple Cup. And Montana, it's the only game. Mm-hmm. She's like, not as many people care about the Apple Cup. I mean, it's, you know, it's a big deal to the Cougs and it's a big deal to the Huskies, but it doesn't have the feel of Cat Grizz. And I was just trying to articulate. I was like, why does Cat Grizz feel so, so much in so, so many ways? And I think it just, it comes down to just being a Montanan or being adopted into that program, a school, an institution that supports that. Like you talk to my mom, my mom could care less about this game, but she knows it's Cat Grizz week, right? It's, it's a known thing in Montana. It's such a big deal. It's such a special rivalry rivalry because of that. Because you grow up, you're a cat fan or a bobcat fan. There's no pro sports teams. Like there's I mean, it's kind of like an insult. There's nothing else going on, but it's also what makes it so special because it is the top dog. It's the top event. It's the top social event. It's the top like every single check mark, checkbox you want to do. It's the top thing in Montana, period. So that's what makes yeah, it so it's, special. It's, and it's been going on for so long and everyone's so entrenched with it. And it just consumes the whole state for an entire week. Productivity just falls off the map. I mean, that's what makes it so special. That's why I personally think it's the best rivalry there is. Like, there's no one else, no other states really have this exact set of circumstances leading to one game being so more important than anything else going on in the state, period. I think you're absolutely right, Ryan. It is something that... Well, the United States needs to know about. It is a fierce rivalry in football. It's one of the top rivalries that we can state. And, uh, you know, both sides need to be told the story. Both sides are deserved of this story. Absolutely. Although I don't like the So, Ryan, a little bit question to kind of go off of this. What do you think about them touting all those wins? They're like, oh, we own like 73 wins against the Cats and blah, blah, blah. Okay. And so, we, yeah. So, my, go my for it. The next segment of this. You're not on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. I wanted to, there's some Grizz takes out there that I wanted your opinion on. But I also want to kind of just avoid the the basic smack talk, a.k.a. the the, the record, the overall record. That's going to happen in every single conversation you ever have with any Grizz fan online. They're going to eventually bust it out. I made a tweet today. Don't play a drinking game to that because you will die. If you drink every time someone mentions the overall record to you as a Grizz fan, uh, you'll be drinking a hell of a lot. So I kind of want to just ignore the basic smack talk, like the, the standard stuff that's there every year. There's a few new things this year uh, that I wanted to kind of get your opinion on. How's that sound? All right. Let's go. So game day. We're on game day right now. So I want to kind of ask you some questions here. A big thing I've seen from Grizz fans on Twitter pertaining to game day is they're worried that Bozeman's atmosphere 
and and facilities and stadium and everything is so awful that game day will come and they'll be like, this is terrible. And they will never come back to the state of Montana again, period, anywhere. They're not going to come to Montana, Missoula, Bozeman. <laughs> It'll be so bad because we're such a JV high school stadium and all that garbage that uh, game day will never come back. What are your thoughts on that take? Well, they're setting up in Dyke Field, which is across uh, across Kagi right there on the practice football fields with the Spanish Peaks in the background. Bobcat Stadium nestled right there. I don't know. I don't know. If you, if you can't see that as beautiful, don't know what to tell you. I think that's silly. I mean, hey, I will give them props. Uh, Washington Grizzly Stadium nestled against Mount... What is it? Sentinel? Is that what it is? The big, the big mountain with the M on the on the yeah. logo. Is that is that yeah, what they have? I think, I think so. That's a pretty cool setting. Not gonna lie, that's a very cozy setting. Washington Grizzly Stadium, very nice looking stadium. It's really good. I do wish it would get hit by you know a random torpedo or a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna say that. Yeah, that, that I'm hoping for that to happen. But you know, if there was a miss, you know, going to Washington Grizzly Stadium might not be a bad place to miss. In jest, right? But of no, course. they have they have a great venue over there. It would it would showcase really well. It's very tight. All the mountains are right there. But Bozeman's beautiful. I don't know what they would be whining about. And also, I think they probably will show different parts of the campus as well. Montana State has a beautiful campus mm-hmm. with beautiful buildings, both modern and classical. It's going to show well, man. Montana Montana in itself is just beautiful. It's, there's nothing to worry about. It's going to show well. There's going to be... The, the the area that you know the the people pack on TV in front of the 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 little station they have set up there it's going to be packed it's going to be packed full of Bobcat fans and it's going to be packed full of Chris fans it's going to be a zoo it's going to be chaos there's going to be high energy the energy is going to be electric they don't broadcast the games so I'm not sure what your game day actual games energy is like because that doesn't even matter and yeah there's tons of good locations and footage i'm sure they'll have some footage from downtown i'm sure they'll go out on friday night and have like dinner at like the ale house or something and there'll be lots of cool stuff showcasing bozeman which is a beautiful town and a beautiful location i mean there's no way it's not gonna look good there's no way it's not gonna work out i I think it's a stupid take i don't think they're doing it smack wise i think they're legitimately concerned about that which is just blows my mind it's gonna be awesome and they're foolish for thinking that yeah another one is so you you kind of hit on it. Um, the Grizz have an awesome venue. They have a they have a good fan base. Like I'm not gonna smock, you know, deny that they have a good tradition, a good stadium. Why does that any of why does any of that matter? Why do they, why does that automatically make you more deserving of a game day than a program that may not have quite the level that you have? I mean, that would mean game day was going to the same venues over and over and over in the FBS. If, if it just took the biggest stadium and the best tradition, like they wouldn't go anywhere else. Yeah. They're looking for the story. And I think, I think they're looking to showcase the state as well. They're coming to Montana. They're coming to Montana state, but they're, they're showcasing the state there. Perfect segue into my last question on Twitter. And this comes from Bobcat fans and Grizz fans. Everybody seems to be concerned about, how Montana is going to be shown to the nation 
Is it going to be the, my Montana or is it going to be the Bozeman Montana? Like the Bozeman's not really Montana. I hear that a lot. Well, you don't have to necessarily answer this if you don't want to, but what are your thoughts or does it even matter how it's shown? Or just, is any publicity in this regard amazing? It's a tough one. I'm sure a lot of Mount Montanans would not want game day to be there because they're probably upset about the amount of people coming to Montana, gentrifying the state. Mm-hmm. It's a tough question. Yeah, what are your thoughts? I'm a little bit lost on it. We don't really go into these kinds of questions on the podcast. That's a bit more, <laughs> I don't know. Too deep for us. It's man. a little deep. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I've always been kind of a roll with the punches. Any publicity is kind of good publicity. I mean, when you were grow up, growing up as a Montanan and before internet, you saw like Montana mentioned in any national news thing. You're like, oh yeah, Montana. You just get like proud of it. Like you're just, you're happy to be there. And all of a sudden now it's like, no, too much is bad. Exposure is bad. Stop moving here. I don't know. I don't I don't agree with that take necessarily. I just think no matter how they spin it, it's going to paint Montana in a cool light because Montana is awesome and there's so many different aspects of Montana. It's not any one group of people. It's not any one type of thing anymore. And I just think however it's done is going to be cool. Even if uh, even if they bring Kevin Costner up there and make it all like Yellowstone-y, I still think that'd be cool. That'd be entertaining, personally. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, in don't put too much stock in it. Not everybody's going to be watching game day on college no, on Saturday. This isn't like... It's just... A, it's it's like a three-hour episode on TV. It's going to be okay. It's not going to make or break yeah. Montana. There might be like two, two and a half million people who watch it. Yes. It's not this huge Don't thing that's it, going people. to like... Just enjoy, enjoy the moment. Don't overthink it. Just enjoy the moment. There you go. That's a great takeaway from that. Just, just enjoy it. There we go. All right. Those are the kind of the main arguments I'm, I've been seeing on game day. So that's, I just wanted your opinion on those. My next one, the, a lot of opinions on is the miracle of Missoula. Grizz fans are mocking this endlessly on the tourist sphere. Number one take is the Grizz were really bad. So why would you make a documentary about beating the worst Grizz team in the last 30 years? Oh my gosh, it's not even about that. It's not. They don't even know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they won't even watch it either. No, they have a lot of they're opinions just hurt. they're not watching. Yeah, I think a lot of it is the fact that they're the the wrong end of the subject matter in this one. Yeah. I think that's that's gonna just, that's gonna be a <laughs> they lot They missed the boat so much on that. It's not even it's not even in the it, it, they're like so wrong on so many levels. I have a that's their take. I have a few data points to back up why I think that's a stupid take. Um, all right. <laughs> they're like, oh, a great documentary about how a ranked team to beat an unranked team. The cast were ranked 25th. Montana was receiving votes at, and I calculated it because you can calculate where you are on the receiving votes. They were 30th. All right. They're basically the same in that year. <laughs> they're like the 25th we versus 25th? the 30th team. Yeah. Yeah. We were barely ranked that that's year. Pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Troy Anderson was quarterback that year, man. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. We were four and four going into that game. <laughs> so, but my my take on this too is maybe the reason that people think that Grizz team was so bad is because they lost that game. If the Grizz win Cat Grizz in 2018, they punch that in, a miracle never happens. The Grizz probably end up with like incarnate word like we did that year and we smoked them. So the Grizz easily win a playoff game. If not two, they probably get a second home game in, in, in Washington Grizz Stadium. And then the the history is completely 
viewed differently by Grizz fans because they finished six and five. They were otherwise they were seven and four, gotten themselves a home playoff game just like we did, if or at least won a playoff game, and uh, you know they'd be an okay team that won a playoff game in the annals of Grizz history. But no, it's the worst team in thirty years. Well, maybe they're the worst team in thirty years because they couldn't beat the Cats at home. Who's crafting this argument? This narrative. Lots of people. I don't. I'm not going to call out any Twitter handles except for maybe our buddy Brent Wahlberg because he's kind of a friend of the pod a little bit, and I will I will drop his name on there, and he'll be happy because he loves all the publicity on his Twitter account. So, <laughs> yeah, okay, he's one of them. But there's there's legions of them fully. Okay. All so, right. Well, yeah. I I think that's uh I think they like were searching for something and that sounds right because it has a number to it and they're probably not good at numbers and so they're like yeah it was the worst team yeah. in thirty years. I mean, I, I you guess they're just exploiting that. I guess just no. I, I guess my my rebuttal to that is thanks for being terrible. I guess good good job. Good job <laughs> good having job. a terrible football team that year. Cool. Go watch it. <laughs> You're going to become a Jeff Chope fan. I guarantee it. You're going to be like, yeah. oh man, that guy is awesome. The other one, <laughs> other argument I've seen is that, because I, so what I did is I kind of dropped some other f- famous plays that have documentaries named about them, like the Doug Flutie Hail Mary. That's a famous one. The whole band coming on the field in the Cal Stanford game. That's another huge, you know, everyone knows that one. Obviously, the. Wait a second. Are, are you like taking on these legions of Grizz fans yeah, well, on they, Twitter? Of course, yeah. <laughs> of course. Fighting the good fight out there. I don't talk smack, but I am like counter punching everything that I'm seeing. That's <laughs> what, oh, what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm name dropping a few of those. And then, uh, then, the, then the rebuttal to me was that, well, those all happened a long time ago. This is so recent. Like, it's okay if you make a documentary about something that happened 15, 20 years ago. You can re- can revisit it. But this was so recent that it's weird. Thoughts on that? Take. Don't argue. Don't argue with the idiots. No, I, I, want your ta- I just want your take on it. Like, <laughs> can you make a documentary about something that only happened a year and a half ago, two years ago, whenever this went underway officially? Of course you can. Of course. Why can't you? I don't. Yeah, of course appara- you can. Apparently, there's a, you have to let a certain amount of time pass. Number one, this this was a what, student project. Like, what do you? He's a student. He was a senior. <laughs> this is kind of like a a specific case in the documentary world. Yeah, they're almost like seeing that Montana like paid for this to be produced. Montana State's like, yeah, that's the other take behind like, this. Oh, the the team and the, and the fans made a documentary. Like, no, it was a it was a student who worked for like the graphics department. <laughs> he put it all together. And it parlayed himself into a nice job out of it. So good job, Dawson. So I don't know. I, I just I just think it's weird that you have to let a certain amount of time pass. I don't I don't fully understand that take at all. So yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, and then another rebuttal was that Bobcat fans are enjoying it too much and they're celebrating it like it's some sort of Oscar winning film. And that <laughs> that's another take out there. It's not that it was made. It, it's that it was that the cat fans like it so much and they think it's the best thing that's ever happened. Well, sorry, my feelings hurt your feelings. I'm not sure to, what to say. <laughs> I get joy out of watching that. I'm sorry, Do documentary that's main target audience was Bobcat fans was enjoyed by Bobcat fans. Like, that's a very, I don't get that tank either. <laughs> uh, and then my last rebuttal is this isn't even a question for you. 
this actually perfectly helped my point. An article came out today from 406mtsports.com that was like stories, cat curse stories. Did you happen to catch that one? People like submitting their rituals or cat curse stories. Um, I will name drop here because it's in the article. Uh, It's in the newspaper. So I will okay naming this person. I'm going to quote this and I wish I knew who wrote the article. I'm sorry. I should know that, but it's 406mtsports.com. Check out the article. This says Grizz fan Nick Larkin likes to throw it back to 1997 and pump him up before every brawl of the wild without fail. He rewatches that historic late 1990s tilt. This quote, as soon as it became available on YouTube, I've watched it before every game Larkin said, and before that on VHS. So probably since 2002. And I'm not going to mock him for that. He should watch that. Like that's a huge play in a mom- in a storied rivalry. Why wouldn't you want to watch an awesome, awesome game like that over and over again? And that's why there's a documentary about an awesome play that the Bobcats made that we can watch over and over again. Like, <laughs> I don't see why, why it's so bad. <laughs> I just, I don't understand all the hate from Grizz fans. I mean, I understand it because they're on the the butt end of it. But I, I don't understand the weird takes about it's too soon. It, like the records weren't very good. By the way, I went, I went and looked at the Cal Stanford band on the field. Like one team was like six and five. The other one was like five and six. So apparently you don't have to have two like top 10 teams going it out to have some sort of memorable historic game. I don't know. Or play. So there you go. There's my, there's my questions for you on the specific, like, like, like not the normal smack talk you see on Cat Grizz Week. Some new stuff. I don't think they were really questions for me, more like chances for you just to air your grievances. Partly, partly. But I got your opinion <laughs> on all of it. <laughs> you answered all of them. Well, there, there was cathartic one. cathartic for you. There, it was cathartic. <laughs> there was one that you said you didn't have an answer on. Did I, did I let you answer that one? I might have steamrolled you. <laughs> Sometimes you do. Um, I'm not sure. I'm good, though, Ryan. I'm good, man. I, I think we're at a good spot to to uh, close this up for tonight. All right. I think this one could be a good episode. I think people, I get the sense that people want us to be a little bit, a little bit more um, hot takey, grizz smacky than we are. And this wasn't really good. Just not who we are. That's not who we are. And this wasn't really grizz smacky. Like this is mild, but I think it's a little bit more heated. It's a little bit more uh, fuel on the, on the rivalry. Just my opinions on some things that were just like, just grinding my gears this week. So you're you're not on Twitter. Don't go on Twitter and get yourself worked up. Because if you go to the actual tweet from game day where they announced they're coming to Bozeman, just go read the comments and the retweets from Grizz fans. It's all hate. It is all bitter. I just bitter feel sorry hate. for those people. Yeah, I feel sorry. Just for those enjoy people. it, man. Like I would have been cool if game day went to Missoula last year. I, I would have wished it was in Bozeman, but it'd still be an awesome spotlight on everything. Yeah, think about that. If it went to Missoula last year, there would have been. Tons of cat fans being like, "All right, this is awesome." You would have, you probably would have never thought, "Why didn't they come to Bozeman?" You'd probably be like, "Well, maybe they get to come to Bozeman in a couple of years or something like that." But it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been this, this thing that you're describing. All right. Well, all that said, it. let's get out of here, man. Let's get out on a high, spicy note. <laughs> Thanks again to. 
Coulter Nuanis for coming on the show. That was really cool to have him on and be able have a little rational discussion because we just got completely irrational at the end. Yeah. Something about like fan being fanatical, sort of fanatical. I don't know. Um, <laughs> thanks again to Manhattan Bank for being our sponsor this year. Thanks again to everyone for listening all year long. We really appreciate it. You can find us on Twitter, RRCatCast. You can find us on the web at RRCatCast.com. Come find us on BobcatNation.com. I'm plugging in the best online social community for Bobcat fans, BobcatNation.com. Check it out. If you if you haven't been there, why aren't you there? That's silly. And fully, let's get out of here for the final time during this Cat Grizz week. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go cats. 